You know, we're uh, launching into our 40 days of prayer. And I was impressed by the Holy Spirit that Wednesday night that we have a great praise and prayer service. Uh, Ed's going to lead us in a great, uh, meaningful time of worship. And uh, Joe and I are going to kind of share about prayer and we're going to spend time in prayer. Many of you come on Wednesday night, but many of you don't. But I'm going to tell you, Wednesday night is going to be an awesome service. It's going to be different. God's Spirit is going to move in a great way. So let me encourage you to come and just join with us in a time, an hour of praise and prayer as we launch this time of prayer together. You know, as a guideline in our praying, you can use any devotional book you like. But we're, we're, most of us are using this book, Draw the Circle, 40-Day Prayer Challenge. And in there, there is a devotion for 40 days each day. And we'll do day one tomorrow. And then we'll go for 40 days. And you read it, and then you just respond. Uh, you, you journal, maybe write what God speaks to you, or maybe circle somebody that you need to pray about, or some, something you need to pray about. Uh, we gave out over 100 books last week, and there are 100 more on the table back there. And they're $5 a piece, and if you don't have $5, you can just uh, uh, take it. And so I would encourage you to um, get one of these now and start with us tomorrow as we um, read and pray together with, these, uh, with this guide. And we'll be discussing it. Uh, earlier today, you saw a brick wall on the, on the uh, screen up here. That's our warriors on the wall. Everyone that had a brick in that wall, that means that hour is filled with somebody that's praying. But every place there was not um, someone there was white, then we need somebody to be a brick in that wall. We have 169 slots on the wall. 82 have already been filled, and 87 are needed. So during these 40 days, you ask the Lord. On the, on the table at the back, you can sign up for one of the hours. And here's a brochure that tells you all about the warriors on the wall and a card that you can have to remind you of your hour. You know, um, I believe that this is probably one of the most significant days since we became a church about six and a half years ago. I've forgotten how long it was. But uh, it's just a day when we uh, individually and corporately say, okay, we can't, but God can. And during these 40 days, we will be expressing to the Lord, we can't change this culture. We can't change people, but you can, oh God. You changed us. And so we're going to pray for God to do what only God can do. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for our city, for our nation, for the body of Christ. And the Lord is not only going to raise us individually to a new level spiritually. God's going to raise this church. We will not be the same. In fact, I want you to remember these words, seven. 14. And at 714 in the morning, wherever you are, I want you to stop and pray. And that comes from 2 Chronicles 714. Now you know what that says. Now listen to it. It's a great verse on prayer. 2 Chronicles 714. If my people, who are, that's not the verse. 
Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Okay. It says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from my wicked ways." Seven fourteen. We're gonna get it right in a minute. Let me start over. Seven fourteen. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. So, 714, wherever you are, you may be at home, you may be at work, you may be up here praying with us, and we're going to pray from 615 to 715 here every morning, Monday through Friday. Wherever you are, just stop and pray for yourself, for your family, for your church, for your city. And that'll just be a reminder. We're going to give you a little thing to put on your table or your refrigerator to remind you about 714. And all these 40 days, we'll be praying together at 714. You know, I'm hoping that you'll read these devotionals. I've already read it, and I've already journaled through it and made notes, and I hope that, that you'll do that. One of us will be here in the morning. Monday through Friday uh, at, at 6.15 to pray for these 40 days. You can come through this door right over here, and one of our staff members or myself will be here praying, and we invite you to come and pray with us. On Friday nights, we're going to pray from 7 to 8.30 right here in the worship center, and we'll do that all these 40 days, and we'll continue afterwards. So I encourage you uh, to be a part of it. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 11 uh, and verse 5 through 8. I've got two new sayings that I, that I heard this week and they really captured me. Okay, you're, you're, there are two kinds of prayer, two kinds of prayer. When you pray, it's ASAP praying. Now, you know what that is? As soon as possible. Lord, I'm asking you for this and as soon as possible. A-S-A-P, praying. But then there's another kind. And most of us are in this. It's A-L-A-T. As long as it takes. As long as it takes. That's A-L-T, praying. Lord, I'm going to pray as long as it takes. Lord, I'd like to see you answer A-S-A-P as soon as possible. But I want you to know I'm going to pray A-L-A-T as long as it takes. And that's exactly what we're going to look at this morning. You know, Jesus uh, gave two parables that said the same thing. Now, let me say this. When Jesus said it once, it was enough. But when Jesus says it twice in a parable, he was really trying to tell us, now this is what you've got to do. And man, it's very, it's very important. So, so looking now at Luke chapter 5, excuse me, it's Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Okay, I gave him the wrong verse. All right, he's just told him about the Lord's Prayer. Back in 11.1, 1, it says, it came to pass as he was praying on a certain place, this is 11.1, 1, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, 
teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Then he gives them the Lord's Prayer that we just sang. And that's a model prayer. It's a pattern of how we pray. But now, he gives us an A-L-A-T parable. Listen what it says. And he said to them, Which of you, having a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, now he's going at midnight, lend me three loaves of bread. And the friend of mine, for a friend of mine has come uh, on, on, to me on the journey, and I have nothing to give him. I don't have anything to get him. So this guy, I guess the next door neighbors, and he goes into his friend and says, look, it's at midnight, said, uh, I've had an unexpected guest. I knew he was coming, but I didn't know it was going to be this late. And uh, if, if would you just get up and get me some bread? Because I don't have anything to feed him. Listen to what the friend said. And he, answer, and he will answer from within, say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. So the friend goes. He's got an urgent need. His guest has come. He doesn't have anything for him. So he goes to his neighbor, who is his friend, and says, listen, you've got to give me some bread. He said, look, you don't understand. It's late. It's 12 o'clock, and I'm in bed, and my children are with me. Well, that'd make me want to get up. But anyway, my children are with me. So I'm not, I can't do it. I, can't, I, can't, uh, I cannot rise and give to you. But now look what Jesus said. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend. Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So this is what happened. The guy got there and he said, woke him up and said, man, I mean, it's urgent. I got my friend here. I don't have anything to give him. I said, would you, uh, would you get it for me? He said, no, you don't understand. It's midnight. I'm in bed. My children are in bed with me. I will not rise. Well, he wouldn't leave. He kept knocking and he kept asking. And I bet that guy just, I bet he got irritated. Don't you reckon he got irritated? I said, why don't he go on? It's, it, you don't understand what time it is. Who wants a sandwich at midnight? Come on, you can't do it. But the guy wouldn't quit. And so finally, because this guy just kept asking and kept knocking, he said, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, because of his persistence, he just wouldn't give up. It was as long as it takes for him, A-L-A-T, as long as it takes to get him out of bed and get that bread and get it to me, then that's what I'm going to do. So I, he says, because of his persistence, he will rise and give as many as he needs. Now, this is Jesus teaching us. And then he look what he says to us. So I say to you, keep on asking, and you, it will be given to you. Seek, keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock, keep on knocking, and it will be if, open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it will be open. Then he talks about as a loving heavenly father, how he loves to answer our prayers. Look at what it says in the verse, next verse. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you being evil, talking about imperfect fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father 
give the Holy Spirit, give good gifts to them that ask him. So Jesus draws a parallel here. And he draws a great contrast. First of all, I want you to see this. In this parable, there's an urgent need. But before that, let let, let me point something out to you. I didn't realize it, but there are about five things in Luke that show how much Jesus prayed. It shows how important prayer was. And they're all in the book of Luke. I'm going to start with Luke 3.21. And here we see Jesus praying at his baptism. Now, now, why am I going over the life of Jesus and his prayer life? If prayer was so important to Jesus, man, it really ought to be important to us. He was a sinless son of man without sin, constant fellowship with the Father, but he was always praying. So at his baptism, verse 21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was open. Hey, we see Jesus praying at his baptism. Well, then the crowds begin to grow. And in chapter uh, 5, verse 16, we see Jesus praying when the crowds were going. The word was out that demons were being cast out, the lame were being healed, the blind were seeing. And so the word was out, and so the crowds were just coming. So what does Jesus do? It says in verse 15 of Luke 5, However, the report went out concerning him. All the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and be healed of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. The people came. They had great needs. Jesus knew where his power was. The power of the Father by the Holy Spirit. And so you know what he did? Before he ever ministered to the crowd, he withdrew alone with his Father And he prayed. And then you go on and see that before he chose the 12 apostles. Turn over to chapter 6 verse 12. Do you know that Jesus prayed all night before he chose the 12 apostles? Prayed all night. You know, I've been one or two times that I've been in an all night prayer meeting. I want to tell you something. It's not easy to pray all night. But I want you to listen to what Jesus did before he chose those apostles who would become the foundation of the church. And we're here today because of their faithfulness. Each one of them died a martyr. Every one of them gave their life, except Judas, who was a traitor, and took his own life. So he prayed. It says here in verse 12, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he caused his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12 whom he named apostles. He knew that the future of the church was not only based on his death, burial, and resurrection, but on these 11 men, that they were actually God's appointed servants upon which he would found the church. And he prayed all night before he made the choice. And then we see also over in Luke uh, chapter 9, Verse 18, we see Jesus praying before he asked the disciples who he was. He gets to the point, they've been with him a long time, and so he's going to ask them, well, who do you say I am? So what he does, 
He prays. Look, look at verse 18 of chapter 9 of Luke. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them saying, who do the crowd say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah. Others say one of you, the old prophets, who has risen again. And then he asked him this question. Well, who do you say that I am? Boy, this was a big question. They'd been with him now a good time. Was he just a prophet? Was he just another man? He says, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, listen to his answer, the Christ of God. You're the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. You're the Passover lamb. You're the surfing sovereign. You're the, the Messiah that everybody was looking for. Let me tell you, we know who you are, Jesus. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Have you noticed before every important time in Jesus' life, he prayed. Well, man, if Jesus was such a man of prayer, no wonder he tells us as individuals and as a church that you can do a lot of things after you pray, but you can't do anything till you do pray. You can do a lot of things in your own power and personality, but they'll, be, they'll never last. The only thing that lasts is that which is eternal, which is done by God himself. There was one other time in chapter 9, that same chapter, verse 29, when he got transfigured on the mountain, he, he prayed. Boy, that was a great event. In verse 28 of chapter 9, it came to pass eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, James, and John, Peter, John, and James, and they went up on the mountain to pray. Boy, Jesus, you were serious about this praying stuff. I mean, man, I mean, all you, every time I see you, you're praying. He said, yeah, because I only can do what the Father does. And he said, he, uh, as he prayed, his appearance of his face was altered, and he became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him. They were Moses and Elijah. Can you imagine? I wonder what they talked about. Jesus' face was shining like the sun. Now listen, we've got to understand the problem with the church today, we depend too much on ourselves. Our ability, our personality, our gifts, we can market the church, we can, you know, come on now. The church is a supernatural organization. And we have a supernatural God. And salvation is a supernatural experience. And spiritual growth is a supernatural experience. We do not operate in the physical world. We operate in the spiritual world. And I want to tell you the spiritual world is more, more, more real and important than the physical world because the physical world will all change away, but the spiritual world is eternal. And so the church has got to understand we're human beings, but we're in an organization, an organism that is a supernatural body of the living Christ, and we move in supernatural power. And I want to tell you, the devil laughs at you and at the church if we don't have supernatural power. He has supernatural power. But the church, you can't fight this spiritual battle with the arm of the flesh. 
You cannot do it. You have to fight this battle with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way you bring the power of God into the work is to pray and ask God and say to God, we can't do it. We never could, but you can. And you said that you would build your church. That we wouldn't build it, that you would build your church. And that the gates of hell would not be able to stand against it. And it's built by prayer. Now, let's look at this story. It's A-L-A-T, as long as it takes. First of all, I want you to notice the desperate need. This guy had a, a friend, an urgent need. He, he, he had no bread. His friend came at midnight. I, I don't know why his friend got there that late. I don't know if he's even expecting him or not. But he got there. And evidently when he got there, he said, man, I sure am hungry. And he said, well, what have we got, honey? What have we got? She said, the refrigerator's empty and, and, and we don't have any bread in the, in the, in, in the cabinet. And uh, he said, well, the only thing I know to do is go next door. But it's midnight. You know it's midnight. Oh, yeah, but he's a friend. He's a friend. He'll, 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 he'll come to the door at midnight. He will. And so he goes and he knocks on the door. And, and the guy, I call this guy the grouchy neighbor. That's exactly what he was. Man, what are you doing at my door? It's midnight and I'm in bed and my kids are in bed. I don't want to stir them. It took me two hours to get them to sleep. I don't want to... It was just a grouchy neighbor. He said, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to give you anything. Have you ever heard that little saying, did you wake up grouchy this morning? No, I let her sleep. (laughs) Are you ever grouchy? You may be grouchy at midnight. Some of you grouchy in the morning. Well, I got to have a cup of coffee. What's that got to do with it? But he was... he was not very cooperative, and he just wasn't going to get up. So the need was that uh, there was an urgent need, but he had a grouchy neighbor that wouldn't get up and wouldn't. And, 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 and the neighbor had plenty. He had plenty. So uh, the guy just didn't give up. He said, I'm not going back home and tell my friend that got there late that I'm not going to stay here till he gets up. I know he's got bread. I'm going to stay here till he gets up and I'm going to keep knocking and I'm going to keep asking. And eventually he knows he's not going back to sleep until he gets up and does what I'm asking him to do. And, and so he did. And, and Jesus said there that the key to the whole thing was the man's persistence. In verse eight, he says, I ask, say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And then he says, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. You know, let me say this to you. Uh, We need to realize that Jesus is saying that we need to be A-L-A-T as long as it takes. Lord, I've been praying about my loved one. I've been praying about my friend. I've been praying about my granddaughter. I've been praying about the people I work with. I've been praying about the circumstances at my job. I've been praying about the difficulty in my marriage. I've been praying about this temptation, this secret sin that has me in its grip. Lord, I have been praying. I have been knocking. 
I have been asking, I have been knocking, I have been seeking. And, and the Father says to you, listen, long as it takes, as long as it takes, you keep praying until you have the bread in your hand. You just keep praying. And let me tell you something. It's so easy to get discouraged. I have found when I get serious about praying for people, it seems they get worse. Have you ever noticed that? The enemy just, just comes and, 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 and gets worse. But the thing we've got to realize, Jesus is telling us, listen, you keep on praying. Now, let, let me just say this to you. He tells us again, and I, I want you to notice in the scripture, in, in Luke 18, verse 1. Now, this is a great, and here's another parable by Jesus about prayer. It's the same thing. Now, he gave us two examples. As long as it takes, you keep praying. Praying about that need. Praying for that person. Praying for that situation. As long as it need. And, and I'll, I'll tell you how you pray in a moment. But if you look in Luke 18, 1, and, uh, and it's about the widow lady. This has always been an amazing uh, uh, teaching on prayer. Now, now listen to Jesus. He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray, listen, and not to lose heart. You know, I'm talking to some people in this room right now that you've been praying. And, and right now it hadn't happened. But you've been saying as long as it takes and you've been praying. But you know. The devil remind you, they're not getting any better. They're not getting any closer. Things hadn't changed at work. Things are just like they were. You're just wasting your time. Let me tell you something. That's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus two times said, listen, keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. As long as it takes. I tell you what, the fellow that needed the bread from his brother, from his friend, he got it. He had to stay there on the porch and knock a while and talk, but he got it. And God said, well, how much more will a loving Heavenly Father do that for you? And I want you to look at this widow lady. It says here in verse 1, they ought to always pray and not to lose heart. There was in a city, there was a certain city, a judge. There was in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in the city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. She had a court case. And so she went to the judge and said, look, y'all been tabling this long enough. Now it's time to get this thing over here. And I need justice. I need justice from my adversary. Well, he, he just, you know, he, he just didn't listen to her. He just had a lot of things going on. So it says here, it says in verse four, and he would not for a while. He wouldn't do anything about it. She'd call him in the morning or she'd drop by the courtroom and say, look, now, you know, it's been a long time. I need for you to take care of this case. And every time he'd go around the corner, he'd run into her. So finally, he just got tired of it. Well, look what he says. And he would not for a while, but afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. I'm going to do what she wants me to do because she is wearing me out. And I am tired of her harassing me. That's exactly what he said. 
But now why did God say that? Now listen, he drew a, a, a parallel between a grouchy neighbor and God is a loving heavenly father. How much more? And now he draws a parallel between an unjust judge who did not fear God or man, but who, because of the persistence, she kept on asking, she kept on knocking, she kept on seeking. Because of the persistence of the widow, he did what she needed to do. And, and look, but look at verse 6. Boy, this is powerful. It says, the Lord said, hear what the unjust said. And shall not God avenge his own children? Will not God avenge his own children? Will God, God answer? That unjust judge was reluctant to answer. But will not God? Will not God answer his elect? who cry out day and night to him, though he bears with him long, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. I mean, in an instant. You've been praying for two years, and you've kept on asking, and you've kept on knocking, and you've kept on seeking, and then speedily, just like that, the answer comes. Thank God that you didn't give up. Thank God that you didn't quit praying. Thank God that you kept crying out to God. He says, when he answers, he answers you speedily. And it says, I tell you, says, shall God not avenge his own who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with him. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, now this is the thing that convicted me. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Is there anybody who has enough faith in God to keep on asking? And to keep on seeking. And to keep on knocking. I'll tell you. The enemy will say. You're wasting your time. That problem is never going to be resolved. You'll have that problem at work. Until. You retire. So you just got to live with it. Or you know that, that, that son. He's been wayward for 40 years. What makes you think. He's going to come back now. You just might as well give up on him. Quit praying. Or he'll talk about your own marriage. And you're struggling. You're struggling. And, and you know, you, you live in the same house, but you just exist. You know, marriage was not meant to be endured. It was meant to be enjoyed. But yet you, 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 you see that, 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 that instead of building bridges and getting closer together, you're building walls. And, and you've been praying. And you've been, but nothing's changed. And the devil says, you're wasting your time. He's always going to be that way. She's always going to be that Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's God in heaven who hears, who answers, who changes hearts, who changes lives. And, and so Jesus said, is anybody going to have faith enough to keep on praying and to keep on believing and to keep on asking? Or is anybody going to have enough faith not to give up? I'm telling you, Jesus said, prayer is not easy. Prayer is hard work. Prayer, you're fighting for the souls of men. Prayer, you're fighting for your marriage. Prayer, you're fighting for your children. Prayer, you're fighting for your finances. He said, let me tell you something. It's a war. It's prayer is not easy. And you've got to keep on as long as it takes. You have got to believe God. Now, let me tell you how you do that. You say, well, Brother Fred, I've already asked. Well, let me tell you how you keep on asking. It's over in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. 
you say, well, I, 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 I mean, I wanna, I'm, I'm, I've asked him and I'm expecting him to answer. But I mean, I don't want to keep on asking. That's a lack of faith. No. Oh, no. He told you to keep on asking. And Philippians, verse 4, verse 6 and 7. All right. Here it is. It says, you know, that's, I got the wrong book. That's, that's, that's uh, Ephesians. Where's Philippians at? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You know how you remember how those books are? General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Okay. Well, some of you don't need that. I need all the help I can get. All right. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. All right, Philippians, okay. This is how you keep on asking now. Chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. So you pray it. And you've been praying for six months, six years, 16 years. But you hadn't got the bread in your hand. And the unjust judge hadn't done what he was supposed to do. All right, so you keep on praying. But you pray with thanksgiving. Look at verse 6 of Philippians 4. Be careful for nothing. Don't keep worrying about it. Now, don't keep worrying about it. Just stop worrying about it. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's continuous intercession. You don't give up. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, I'm praying, Lord. Now, I'm praying for that wayward granddaughter. I'm praying for that uh, situation at the church that needs to be changed. Lord, I'm praying about it. And he said, and Lord, I want to thank you one thing, that you've already heard my prayer and you're going to answer it. I know it's going to be answered, and I'm just waiting to see its manifestation. And so you pray with thanksgiving. You ask and you thank God that he has heard you. And you thank God that he's listening to you. And you thank God that he's going to answer it. And the answer's going to come. You just do that. It says here, uh, be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, thank him. Let your requests be made known to God. Hey, you say, well, Brother Fred, I, I mean, I feel bad about praying about so much. What are you talking about? God told you to let your requests be made known to him. I mean, he knows what it is before you ever pray it. But he wants you to show him that you're looking to him and not to yourself. And let your requests be made known to God. And then get what happens. Look at the next verse. As long as it takes, you're going to keep, you keep praying. And you pray and you make that request and you thank him. Then look at the next verse. And the peace of God. The peace of God. Which passes all understanding. Will guard your heart. And your mind. Through Christ Jesus. You know I'm going to tell you something. You've been praying a long time about that person or that situation. And you're going to keep on praying as long as it takes. And you're, going to th you're thanking God that while you don't have the bread in your hand, the neighbor's going to come to the door. The unjust judge is going to deal with it. And you just, you just thank him that it's done. It's done in heaven, and it'll be manifested on earth. But this is the main thing I want you to see. This is the most important thing. God says, I am not a grouchy neighbor. God says, I am not an unjust judge. You know what he says to you? 
Now, if you believe this, it'll encourage you. He says, I'm a loving heavenly father. I love you. I love you. I care about what you're praying about. I, mean, I care. I care about your son or daughter. I care about your marriage. I care about that battle you're having with that secret sin. I care about, uh, I care about what's going on. Listen, I'm your heavenly father. And I want you to know I care about you. I'm not an angry neighbor. I'm not an unjust judge. I am a loving heavenly father who loves you. And, and I long to meet the answer your prayers. And I long to satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. And so listen, we're not trying to persuade a reluctant God to do something that we won't done. We're just crying out to our father. And he told us. I want to see, is it going to be any faith when I come back? If it is, you're going to keep on asking, you're going to keep on seeking, and you're going to keep on knocking. And if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. And if you knock, it'll be open to you. And you pray with thanksgiving. You know, I look back on my life, and you look back on your life. We could all, everyone in here, I feel sure, just about, could stand up and say, let me tell you about a prayer God answered. Let me tell you about a prayer God answered. You know, I prayed about that brother fed for four years, and God answered. I prayed about that for six years, and God answered. You know, I prayed about that for two weeks. And man, just like that, soon as possible, God gave me the answer. We all know, you know, in this little prayer guide, it says if you have a need what you do is you draw a circle around it. For example, say it's a, a, a son that's wayward. So you put his name down and you draw a circle around him. And you say, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in that circle with him. And I'm going to pray until the answer comes. And then you've got that situation at work. And you say, Lord, you know that? I, I'm going to put a circle around that. And I'm going to get in that circle. And I'm going to pray until the answer, as long as it takes, Lord. And see what you do? You just begin to persistently pray. You know, there was an evangelist named Gypsy Smith. And I don't know how he got that name. Maybe because he was a gypsy, I don't know. I mean, I don't. But you know, he became a world-famous evangelist. He traveled all over the world. He had an audience with two presidents. And millions of people came to know Christ to the ministry of Gypsy Smith. And, you know, a person asked him, said, Gypsy, let me ask you a question. What's, I, I need a revival. I, I need for God to take me to another level spiritually. I, I need to have the spiritual power that I see in you. I, I, what do I do? He said, I'll tell you what you do. You go home. And you get in your bedroom. And you draw a circle. And you get right in the middle of it. And you say, God, I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to pray. Till revival comes to my heart. I'm not leaving this circle. Till you touch me. And you change me. And you make me the person I ought to be. That's good talking. Just draw a circle and say Lord I'm in it now. I want you to revive me. To take me to another level spiritually. And that, we, we're going to draw a circle right around this church. Thank God for this building. Wonderful children's area. Wonderful. Thank God for it. I love it. But the building's not the answer. It's not the answer. The answer is, God, we're drawing a circle around this church. We're drawing a circle around it. And we're going to pray 
until you come and you revive us and you give us new life. You take us to a new level spiritually. Lord, we want you to know we're going to stay in this circle and pray until you come in all your power and your glory. Amen? That's what we want, folks. We're not interested in just having church. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in God changing lives. And I'm interested in just loving people right where they are. You know, that you say, Brother Fred, some people are unlovable. We all were unlovely and unlovable. But God loved us. Let me just tell you one thing. It's all about loving people in Jesus' name. And praying for them. And believing that God can make the difference. I want to tell you, with God, all things are possible. Only believe. Jesus said to Martha, I told you, if you would believe you will see the glory of God. And I want to say to us as a church, if we will believe, we will see the glory of God. And that's what it's all about. It's not about any human being's glory. It's about God's glory.